I would invite you to take your Bible and turn to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. We just want to look at one, one passage with us uh, today. One, one verse. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you, thank you for allowing us to worship together today, meet together. I pray your blessing upon our time in your word. It's, uh, Lord, it's always uplifting to sing songs, um, uh, lifting up our hearts to you, focusing our attention on you. Lord, now we, as we come to your word, may we uh, glean things from this word that will uh, inspire us and and the words that we can implement into our own life and apply these things to our heart and our mind and our thinking. Again, bless our time. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The focus that I want to have this morning, just being Christmas, is uh, just the the idea, the focus of the the word Emmanuel, this idea that, that Christ was born as a baby. There's many ways that Christ could have come into the earth. We're going to see the second coming of Christ. He's going to come on a, uh, a white horse. He's going to come riding in as a, a conquering Savior. But He came as a, a baby. I want us to just think about that a little bit. Uh, because it's, it's hard for me to grasp, hard for me to understand and think about an infinite God an infinite God fitting into a, a finite being. That's just hard to comprehend. It's hard to think about. Uh, this is the, the time of year that we see uh, car toppers, uh, you know, these, these uh, things that hold our, our luggage or these hitch hauls on the back of our vehicles. You see, I've, I've been seeing a lot of those because people are traveling through West Virginia and just noticing those things. And that, that used to be us. We had five kids and we would travel down from Pennsylvania down to West Virginia. And uh, we would cram as much as we could into that car. And uh, try to leave room for five kids. That would be hard because they're scrunched together. But you would just pack that car as much as possible. Uh, we got to where we had to have a, a, a hitch haul and, and sometimes even the car top as well. And you would just cram as much as you could, and inevitably one of the children would bring their luggage and say, Dad, I brought my suitcase to you. After it already packed, and I'm thinking, where in the world am I going to fit this thing? Because there's a limited space for vehicles, right? We just know that. You can't fit everything into a vehicle. There's limited space. And being super dad, of course, I'd make it work, and it would be amazing. There's a limited space. Now there's, there's also the, the joke. Just I, I think about uh, what what can fill, what what can uh, you, you could put the entire ocean in and never be filled up. Do you know the answer? It's a, a sponge, right? Yeah, I know. It's the, it's a bad joke. 
We're going to eat today. We're feasting. We're going to push away from the table. We're going to say, I can't eat another bite. I can't, I can't eat a raisin. Because we're so full. So full. You, you pack it in. And you can't fit anything else. And I think, how, how can an infinite God, how can an infinite God fit into a finite being? Finite being. How can we get in, in, within the DNA? How can the DNA contain a, an omnipresent God, an all-present God? How is that even possible? God is much more comprehensive. He's much more grand. He's much more glorious than to fit into a human body, much less a, a baby. But that's what we see. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, we see the word Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. In Colossians chapter 2, Paul says specifically, For him, that's Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. That's pretty specific. That's pretty, pretty graphic, if you will. All deity fit into that one little body. That's amazing to me. That's just, it's incomprehensible. The very image of God in a person. That's what Christ was. When you look at Christ, you see God. Again, it's amazing. The, the, the invisible God visible in Christ. And I've often wondered, what did the shepherds see that night? They, they heard from the angels. They ran to Bethlehem, found the manger. They just saw just a baby. Just a baby. They see a, the, the Shekinah. Was there a glow about him? Was there, uh, did he have a halo over his head, around his head, like some of the pictures that we see? Uh, did he have light shooting out of his fingertips? Or No, there was, there was none of that. It was just a baby. Just a baby. How can God... Being infinite fit into the limited space of the human human body. Well, we know that there's something wrong with even that question. Because we think the question itself just emphasizes the physical, the material uh, elements. And, and being physical beings, we kind of emphasize that. The spatial, the... the uh, the what we can see the the material the matter but of course that's flawed because God is spirit God is spirit and that does not take up any any space at all he's a spirit being it doesn't take up any physical space i know some people say oh they see a ghost well spirit cannot be seen it's not in the material world. It's in the, the spiritual world. So you don't see a, a ghost. You don't see a demon. Demons don't brush by you. as some kind of mystical thing that some people say. It, it, it doesn't work that way. Spirit is in the spiritual realm. It's not to be seen. It's not in the physical, not in the physical realm. In Christ, it was spirit. And he inhabited the physical body. He was 100% God and 100% man. Is in the theological term is the hypostatic union. 
And we understand that theologically. We understand that. But again, we just think, what was it like? What did he appear like? What, what was he, what did he look like? And how, how did it even happen? Uh, Solomon, being the wisest man on earth, he grappled with this idea as well. In 2 Chronicles, uh, chapter 6 and verse 18, he, he had this thought. Now he had just built a temple, a tabernacle for the Lord, this house for the Lord, he calls it. And he says, but will God indeed dwell with mankind on earth, God, the infinite God, the omnipresent God, limit Himself to this earth. Behold, heaven and the highest heaven, He says, cannot contain you. How much less this house which I have built for you. I've built for this. Now, it's, it's coming from the wisest man. It's not very wise. You build this house that it's just it's not big enough. God can't fit in this place. It, it can't. It can't work. It, something's flawed with our even our own thinking that think that that that, that God of the universe, that God that created the universe, could come and, and live in this physical, in this physical house, or much less a, a baby. How does that even happen? It's just hard to imagine God reducing down to the physical realm, the physical world, much less a, a little baby, a seven, eight pound baby. But he did it. And he did it because it was necessary. It, it had to be done. Someone had to do it. God had to do it. Sacrifice had to be made. And, and he found a way. Philippians chapter 2, we looked at last week that Christ voluntarily emptied Himself of the, the use, the use of His divine attributes and became dependent upon His heavenly Father. He emptied Himself and, and He came down in the, in the form of man, the baby, sacrificed him, Himself. And He was willing to do that because He was a man, uh, or a, a baby, if you will, on a mission. He had a purpose. He had a driving force. And that driving force was to redeem for himself a people. Redeem for himself a people. He's going to change their heart. He's going to produce worshipers. God is seeking worshipers, and that's what he's producing. Changes their heart, produces worshipers, those who love him, those who are devoted to him and worship him and follow him, follow his teaching. And that's what he did. He had to become embodied in the, in the human form, limited, trapped, if you would want to use that term, dependent upon other humans, dependent upon a mom and a dad to provide, subject to, to growth. These these bones, the subject to these bones to to grow, skin to grow, muscle tissue to to expand as he as he gets older. Subject to pain, subject to hunger and thirst, subject to even sin and abuse of other people. We saw that, and on top of that. The scripture says there was, there's really nothing physical in the physical realm that would attract you to him, that, that set him apart. In fact, in fact, our, our very own, uh, 
prophet that we've been studying for the past few weeks. He says this, Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 2, he says this, And he grew up, that's Christ, that's the promised Messiah that is to come. He grew up before him, that would be God, his father, like a tender shoot. Now this is talking about in the spiritual sense, like a tender shoot and, and like a root out of parched ground. Not what you would expect to see something flourish and grow, but yet that's what he did. He, he came to this dark world and he grew spiritually in this dark world. He was the light of the world. He goes on to say he was not stately formed. He had no stately form or majesty that he should that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He didn't even make himself pretty. He was just a, a plain, ordinary man. He just kind of fit in like everybody else. The emphasis was not upon the physical outward appearance of Christ or the baby at all. Not upon the physical. It wasn't, wasn't that important. It wasn't that necessary. It was the inward character of who he was. He, he just kind of blended in in the physical world. But in the, the spiritual world, we see that he was light. He was spiritual light. There was spiritual vitality in, in a dark world. And a couple weeks ago, we looked at the first of this passage. If you go back to our Isaiah passage, Isaiah chapter 9, we saw that, that Christ uh, burst onto the scene as light in a dark, dark world. And we saw the... the uh, chapter leading up to chapter 9. And in verse 2, he says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in darkness, uh, in a dark land, the light will shine upon them. That's the Messiah. He is to come and He was to be that light. And that's exactly what we see. Spiritual light. Talking about the, the spiritual power of Christ. The, he embodied righteousness he embodied truth and that truth and light and righteousness was salvation of man and that was transferred to to us and we are now the light of the world we saw that a couple of weeks ago the prophet goes on to say in verses 3 through the rest of the chapter he goes on and gives us the position of so he gave us the spiritual power he's given us the position of this Messiah, this promised Messiah, and then he gives us the character in chapter three or chapter nine, verse three. He he talks about uh, the the population growth, the gladness, the joy of Israel that he is going to lead Israel. That's his position. He's a is a king, and he's he's going to produce peace and eliminate war, bring about peace on the earth, and this whole passage uh, leads up to. The climax up to verse 6. How are these sweeping changes going to take place in Israel and, and upon the earth? The, the whole structure of the passage leads up, leads up to the, the pinnacle, the, the, the main point, and that's in verse 6, the passage that I, the verse that I read for you earlier. The first word being for. For this reason, or, or because, because he's come onto the, the scene now, there's going to be sweeping changes. 
There's going to be success and peace and dramatic changes upon the earth because of one thing, one little person, and that's just a baby. For a child will be born. A child will be born. A son will be given. There's Today, we have 385,000 babies born every day. 385,000 babies born every day. That's a lot of babies. And I don't know how many in Christ's day, how many babies were born. And when babies are born, people want to know what did he look like? What was his weight? How, much, how long was he? What color eyes? What color hair? That kind of, that kind of thing. What, what distinguishes this baby from, from everybody else? And again, I asked the question, what do you think the shepherds saw that night? When they visited, they heard from the angels, they, they ran to Bethlehem, they visited. It's just a baby. Just a baby. Don't, babies don't do much. They just sleep. You just look at them. A couple years later, the Magi come into town they look for this Christ child that was to be born. This is a couple years later. They had Mary and Joseph had already found a house. So this baby is born. They get this visit from the Magi. And these Magi, what did they see? Just a toddler. Just a toddler. And by this time, they had to be asking the question, do we have the right, do we have the right person? Are we sure? Probably searching the scriptures, saying, is this the, is this the one? He's just a, a toddler. Just a toddler. Um, we've had a baby to be born in our family. It's just a wonderful thing. But it's just a baby. We take off work and we go and visit our, our baby. And the baby just, Carson, uh, he just sleeps. He sleeps. I just think, hey, somebody better put some batteries into this thing. Somebody would wake this thing up and we spent $100 in gas going up there and coming back and tolls and gas and all this stuff. Do something. Give us something. us a little song and dance or something. We just see him sleep. Now, if it was an adult, we just go and see the adult sleep. That'd be a little creepy, wouldn't it? I mean, it's just a baby. We, we go and we see him, we see him sleep. Now, there's some benefits coming from a, a baby. A, I mean, it's a wonderful thing, a new, newborn, anticipation and, and the hope that comes with a baby. They, they even say that um, uh, beta endorphins are, are released when women hold a baby, a newborn baby. It's amazing. It's a wonderful thing. And maybe I wish that would have happened to me. Maybe I would have enjoyed our trip to see our grandchildren. Just kidding. I appreciate my newborn baby. Babies are special because they're, they're ours, right? I go up and I'll spend a hundred dollars to go up and see this baby. It's a wonderful thing. But they're still just babies. They're just a baby. Just a baby. We see in this passage though, Isaiah is telling us this baby's gonna be born. He's going to change everything. Everything's going to be different now. Why? Because a son's going to be given to us. A child's going to be born to us. A baby. We have to see past the physical, don't we? 
We, we have to see, we have to believe in the promises of this baby, who this baby was. We have to believe uh, in the promises of, of God that this is not an ordinary baby. That this is the Messiah. This is Emmanuel. This is God with us. We can't see it. He looks just like everybody others, everybody else's baby. But it's God with us. It's God with us. This is, this is Emmanuel. And it matters who this baby is. It matters who Carson is. He's my grandbaby. And I love him. That makes him special to me. Now Isaiah, he gives us in this passage, in this one little verse, he gives us the position of this baby and then the character. And I want us to notice that here, the position. He says the government will be upon his, or rest upon his shoulder. He's going to be the king, right? We understand that. That's not, any, that's not a stretch. He's going to be the king of Israel, which Israel then will be the leading nation and, and leading uh, all of the other nations into this, into this peace that this king is going to produce. But what about his character? He says this, and I, I love this part. I want to spend some time on this part. His position is a king, but his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. He gives us his name. Now, what does that mean? It's, it's encompassing of all who he is. All he is. His, his name, his reputation, we might say his reputation precedes him. All that he stands for, the way other people see him, his character, what he's, what he's like. What is this king going to be like when he comes? Not just a baby. We have to see past that. We have to see, we have to see the king. And, and here's the characteristics. Let me give you four characteristics real quick. Number one, wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. A supernatural wisdom that's discharged in his office, in the office, or as he discharges his office. As he's ruling, he is displaying immaculate wisdom. Incredible wisdom. Insight. And the way he runs his, his government. Within the working relationships of that government is, is going to be, is going to be wise. And it's going to display an, an unearthly kind of wisdom. Number two is mighty God. The word God there is LOL. It's just, a, just kind of a generic word for God. We really could say a mighty warrior or powerful warrior. He's God-like. He's a conqueror. No one can overcome Him. He's an everlasting Father, the third one. A Father a father figure. Uh, there's intimacy there. There's a, uh, an element of security and uh, protection and stability and love and compassion, but also eternal, eternally. It's never going to end. Fathers pass away, but not this father. And Prince of Peace. Obtain, he's going to obtain peace and he's going to maintain peace and that's going to, that's going to spread to all the earth. Prince of Peace. But it just starts out with a child. This child's going to be a wonderful leader. He's the Messiah that's to come. He's going to be the promised one. He, he's the one that God has been uh, talking about since Genesis. The one that God has been promising. Now, how do we respond to this child? 
Just a little baby in the manger. How do we respond to that? I want to show you a couple of verses. If you look at the response of the shepherds, you probably notice that in verse 20, Luke chapter 20, the passage that was read for us earlier, the shepherds went back. Okay, so so the, the angels come, the shepherds go to Bethlehem, they see the baby. What's their response? The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. What did they see? Just a baby in the manger. Just a baby. Maybe crying a little bit, probably sleeping most, most of the time. Just a baby. But you know what? They praised God for that. Because this is the promised one. This is the one that they was anticipating. And so they looked past the, the little baby part, the physical part, and they saw with, with faith what was going to happen with this, with this baby, who this baby really is. Let me show you one more response. And I love this response here. This is the wise men. How did the wise men respond? These these magi from the east uh, come into Jerusalem scaring the king. Uh, they, they finally found this baby. And it says in, in uh, Matthew chapter 2, in verse 11, after coming into the house, so by, that, by that time he was probably a couple years old, uh, and they saw, they saw the child, a child, toddler, okay? With Mary, his mother. And what did they do? How did they react? What was their response? They fell to the ground and worshipped him. Now there's a sense in which, there's a sense in which they might have felt a little silly. This is a little toddler. What? He's taught, he could barely walk. If at all. If he could walk at all. They fell to the ground and worshipped him. In fact, then they opened presents and, and gave him, uh, uh, treasures uh, presented him with with gold and frankincense and myrrh, some of the most costly things that that they had on earth at that time. These people got it. These guys knew who they were dealing with. Not just a toddler. This this was God with us. This is this is something that's incomprehensible. The the. The infinite God reduced down to this little baby. And they worshipped, presenting gold, valuable, valuable presents to this child, to this little infant that couldn't comprehend things. Worshipped him. They recognized who he was. They knew who he was and they worshipped him. There was reverence. There was respect. There was awe there. There was gravitas from these magi. It's amazing to me. How do we respond? How do we respond? We just apply this and we'll wrap it up. Number one, we have to acknowledge who this little baby is, don't we? We have to recognize this is not just a little baby. This is God with us. The infinite God coming as a a little baby. Number two, we have to put our faith and trust in Him. We have to put our faith and trust in Christ. This little baby, what this baby accomplished. 
We have to put our faith and trust in His righteousness. That the righteous life that He lived is attributed to our account. We have to put our faith in that. We have to put our faith in His sacrifice on the cross. We have to put our faith in, in His accomplishments. We have to put our faith in Him and we follow Him and His Word. And then that's number three, is, is we follow Him. We actually have to listen to His words. We actually have to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower of Him. It may look silly to the rest of the world. What? This man who lived 2,000 years ago? What is that? How silly can you be? We follow Him. Why? Because He is God with us. He was not not just a man. He's God with us. We hear His voice. We follow His example. We follow His character, His righteousness. We follow that light. And then, number four, we worship Him. We come every week. Again, the world would say, how silly of you guys. How stuck in the past. How dependent. How weak you guys are to to come every week and, and worship this guy who died We say, no, He's not dead. This is God with us. And we worship. We worship. Folks, what people see is just a baby in a manger. But the reality is, is God with us. It's God with us. Emmanuel. It's seen with the eye of faith. We have to believe in the words that were promised to us. the, The prophecies that were made. But it's still just faith in who this child was. Who this Christ was. This Messiah. This one to die for us. And He becomes precious to us. He becomes valuable to us. My grandchildren are valuable to me. Because they're my grandchildren. This little baby, he's precious to us because we recognize who he is. He's God. There's value there. There's importance there. There's love there. We'll sacrifice. We'll invest our time. We'll do whatever it takes. Why? Because we value him. Emmanuel. God with us. How valuable. How valuable is this little baby to you? Is He your Savior? Is the Savior of the world? Is He the light of the world? Is, is He our Redeemer? And it's going to be seen our our reaction. How do we respond to Him? How do we respond? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, may we respond appropriately. And today, as we celebrate this child's birth, Lord, may we recognize that He was God. An impossible task of the God of the universe to, to enter in His, into His creation in time and space and, and live among us. Lord, it's a, an incredible thought, but it's a reality. May we grasp that. May we recognize Christ for who He is. And then, Lord, may we respond appropriately. May we give Him our life for redeeming us. Lord, may we live righteous lives. May we follow Him every word to a T. Why? Because 
He's God. Lord, we thank you for bringing these things to our attention so we can know who this little baby in the manger is. Lord, may we celebrate appropriately today. Fathers, we turn our attention now to not only the birth of Christ, but the the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ, the accomplishment of Christ on the cross. We want to remember that today as well. The, the, the blood that was shed, the, the body that was broken. And Lord, we thank You for that. We thank You. And may again, may we respond appropriately. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.